0: You're listening to the sermon cast of First Presbyterian Church Spartanburg. To watch the full video of this worship service and to learn more about the ministries of our church, visit us online at fpcspartanburg.org. We hope you enjoy the message. As John Daniel mentioned, we have been studying Paul's letter to the church in Rome throughout the month of August. And we conclude that series today by following the thread that we began with, where Paul unpacked this notion of the gospel's power, the power of the gospel to transform suffering, to hope, to offer peace where there is despair and division. And today, the power of the gospel to transform our lives and our living. So let us continue listening now for a word from God as we hear these verses from the 12th chapter of that letter to the Romans, beginning with the ninth verse. Paul writes to the church saying, let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, he says, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and extend hospitality to the strangers. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you really are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, Paul says, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, he concludes, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord know if your enemies are hungry feed them if they are thirsty give them something to drink for by doing this you will heap burning coals on their heads do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good friends this too is the word of god for the people of god thanks be to god will you join me in prayer let us pray Gracious and loving God, send your spirit now that it would stir something within, that it might transform us in this time and in this place that we might leave here different than when we came in. Indeed, O God, we pray that through your spirit, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered together here in your sight would be pleasing and glorifying to you for you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Anyone ever had the window seat on a flight out west? Earlier this summer, Aaron and I were going from Atlanta to Portland, and it was just a beautiful day. Clear skies practically the whole way. And I've always been a kid at heart when it comes to airplanes, so there I am, jammed up next to the window seat, taking it all in. And there's just something mesmerizing, isn't there, about the raw beauty I mean, just the vast expanse of everything that unfurls underneath you on a flight like that, especially west of the Mississippi, right? I mean, these swaths of land, as far as the eye can see, that somehow still seem to be untouched by human civilization. The middle few hours of that flight are the most amazing you sit there and you look out your window and you watch as the great plains of what Iowa and Nebraska may be start to yield gradually to the Badlands of South Dakota. And a few minutes after that, the Badlands begin to yield to the high desert of those places like Wyoming and Montana and Colorado. And eventually the high desert just transforms itself into those majestic Rocky Mountains. It's an incredible sight. And yet as you watch, you're mindful too that if the plane were flying at 400 feet instead of 40,000 feet, it would look a whole lot different, right? If you've ever been on the ground next to one of those lazy meandering rivers out west, you've probably noted that it contains within it currents that are so strong it can break up even the hardest of rock. Or if you've ever been dropped onto the top or near the top of one of those majestic mountaintops in the Rocky Mountains, you have seen how extreme that terrain really is. And you understand quickly how it humbles even the most experienced of climbers. Right? It's amazing how sometimes the closer we look, the more we come to understand that what can appear as smooth and safe from high up is actually upon closer inspection quite rugged and dangerous and even unforgiving up close. That's how Romans 12 feels to me. Right, if we just fly over the top of Romans 12, it looks pretty smooth. Pretty safe even. We pick up on some of those key words, words like blessing and peace and patience and love. And we think to ourselves, well, we can do that. Sure. Sounds good, Paul. Let's go. But the closer you look at this text, right, the more you descend down into this text, the more nervous we should become. Because the closer we look at this text, the more we come to realize that we are not in Kansas anymore when it comes to Paul's love is patient, love is kind of 1 Corinthians, right? That's not this. The love that Paul is writing about here in Romans 12 is this this rugged kind of love, this gritty kind of love, this love that can even at times be dangerous. Listen again to some of his exhortations. Be patient, he says, great in suffering. Ooh, Weep with those who weep, he says. Bless, we can bless, Paul. Bless those who persecute you, he says. Hmm, maybe I'll take a step back first. Do not repay evil for evil. Never, not just don't do it sometimes, never, he says, avenge yourselves. Live peaceably. Got it. With everyone. Ooh. Paul, you met my neighbor? You want me to live peaceably with this person? Now we could take each of these exhortations and hold them up to the light and look at them individually and consider what they have to say for our lives. But today I want us to look at them as a whole. And the first thing I want us to notice is that each of these exhortations is in its own way outwardly focused. Right, we began this series three Sundays ago talking about how the gospel has the power to transform our individual lives. We are justified by faith, by our individual faith and by the faith of Christ. But here, Paul seems to be taking it even a step further later in his letter. Here he is saying that the gospel also has the power and the imperative to transform our outward living as well contribute to the needs of the saints he says look to the people sitting next to you live for them he says but not only them extend hospitality also to who strangers that particular verse where paul tells us to extend hospitality to strangers has led some people to coin these verses from Romans 12 as Paul's magnum opus on Christian hospitality. Christian hospitality. For Paul, it seems here that the greatest sign of a life that has been transformed by the gospel is a life that does not discriminate in extending hospitality, in extending welcome to people, and loving others freely. Now, I know some of us hear that and we think to ourselves, is Paul crazy, right? Does Paul not know how many people have been cut down and overlooked and even killed because they have tried to do some iota of good in this world that we don't have to look far to know is steeped in brokenness and evil? Right? I mean, is Paul one of these letter writers, these theologians, these pastors who just holds up in his or her office and is completely detached from the actual lived experiences of other people? Well, we should know the answer to that already. The answer is no. Paul is the opposite of being detached, right? Paul lives his life on the road. If anyone understands what it is like to experience persecution and arrest and pain, it's Paul because Paul has experienced it all by this point when he sits down to write to the church in Rome. But even more than that, remember again what we talked about last week. Remember that these people, this church in Rome, these are people too who know suffering. This is a whole church of people who have only in the last few years returned to their homes having been exiled for what they profess to be true, that Caesar is not the only king, that there is a higher power even than Rome. Right? They have been kicked out of their homes. They've lost their jobs. They've only just returned. They know suffering. They know pain. They know persecution. And yet Paul, being Paul, and Paul writing to the church in Rome, being the church in Rome, he is still saying to them, folks, You cannot be the church. You just can't be the body of Christ. If you let the fear of the unknown and the threat, the very real threat of evil, water down your calling to love others in the same way each of us have been loved in Christ Jesus. A love that went to the cross even with its arms spread wide. Now there may be some church officers here who will remember last year. It was actually my very first day as the pastor of this church. I came to the office on Tuesday morning and Tuesday night I had to moderate my first session meeting. That's the governing body of our congregation, the lay leadership of our congregation. It was intimidating, to say the least, to walk into this room of people and try not to make a fool of myself because I didn't know any of them hardly. But I opened that meeting with a story that some of those who were there may remember. It was the story of two GIs at Normandy back in World War II. Their friend had been killed in the invasion And these two GIs were taking his body up to this church that they had seen in the distance on the hillside above Normandy. They were taking him there to ask permission to bury him in the churchyard. It was a little Roman Catholic church. And when they got there, they found the priest and they said, Father, we want to ask if it'd be okay if we buried our friend here in your churchyard. And the priest, looking very upset, explained to them, I'm sorry, he said. I'm sorry, but the rule is you have to be Roman Catholic and you have to be a member of this parish to be buried here in the churchyard. And the GIs pleaded with him, Father, please, please let us just bury our friend here. It won't take any time at all. We'll put him in a corner, we'll put him away from all the rest. But the priest said, I'm sorry, it's the rules. You have to be Roman Catholic and you have to be a member here to be buried in the churchyard. But listen, he said, listen, take your friend and you're welcome to bury him anywhere outside the fence. Just go outside the wall of the churchyard, anywhere you see, close or far, you're welcome to bury him there. So the two GIs, a little distraught, took their friend outside and they prepared a plot and they buried him there outside the churchyard. Now the next day they came back with a marker that they intended to put on their friend's plot, And they went to the place where they had buried him, but when they got there they were surprised because there was absolutely no sign that anyone had been buried there. Confused, they walked all the way around the perimeter of the churchyard, searching for the spot. Once, twice, three times, they couldn't find it. And finally, they went and they found the priest again and they said, Father, forgive us, you might have forgotten we're the two GIs who came yesterday asking permission to bury our friend and you said we couldn't because we weren't Roman Catholic and we weren't members of the parish and so we buried him outside the fence but now we can't find where we buried him. Do you know what happened? And the priest looked at them and he said, yeah, I know exactly. What happened? He said, You see, last night after I went to bed, I tossed and turned for the first half of the night, so upset about what I had told you that you couldn't bury your friend inside the churchyard. So about halfway through the night I got out of bed and I spent the second half of the night moving the fence. You see, friends, Christian hospitality, the kind of hospitality that Paul is talking about here, it is radical hospitality. A transformed life is a life that has been transformed so much that it cannot help but live and breathe welcome for strangers and neighbors and friends alike, even if that sometimes means breaking the rules, stretching the lines, moving the fence. You know, I told that story at my very first session meeting because I wanted the elders to know that that's my hope too for this church, right? My hope is that we would not only be now but continue to become a community of people who are focused not only on contributing to the needs of the saints, everyone that's already here in worship, but also a community that would be devoted to extending hospitality to the stranger, to those who we don't yet know outside the walls of this sacred space. Right, my prayer, my hope is that we would be and become this community that faces the unknown, faces the threat even of evil and harm and still move the fence anyway. Right, that we would greet someone and say, hold on, you live way over there? Well, come on. Wait, you dress like that for church? Come on. Hold on, you voted for who? You love them? You believe that? Well, come on. right? It doesn't mean that God's going to leave us where God finds us, but it does mean that everyone will know that they have a place inside the churchyard that is God's kingdom. Yes, even you and even me Because, friends, a life that has been transformed by the love of Jesus Christ is a life ultimately that has come to recognize that the best view, it's not up there. No, the best view is right down here. In this rugged, dangerous, wild, sometimes unforgiving landscape of our lives but this landscape nonetheless that we have come to recognize as holy ground because it's only at this level where we can look each other in the eyes. It's hard to do from 40,000 feet. It's only down here that we can look each other in the eyes and share the most transformative good news that there is which is the good news that Paul shares with the church in Rome, the good news that Paul shares with us today, the good news that can be summarized in just three words. You are loved. Friends, may we be transformed in that truth and by those words to the life in the ministry that Christ beckons us to, even now. Amen.